And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on peace, and on earth peace, among those with whom he is pleased. Well, let us pray. Our Father, we praise you and thank you for these words and ask that the wonder contained in them will be uh, not just read aloud, but they will penetrate to our hearts and souls so that we may rejoice and we may be glad and that we may know the pleasure of God in our lives. Amen. Well, I don't know if any of you have any anxiety about uh, tomorrow when it comes to presents, those of you who are uh, perhaps uh, married and you you have bought your spouse something. I, uh, I'm not happy with Amazon right now. Um, I thought this year I'd really nailed it, buying my wife uh, a red LED light. It's the new phase. I think it cures every disease. Uh, and uh, if, it, if nothing else, it's supposed to be good for the skin. And uh, I just thought a red LED light, you know, why not have bar with the light shining on her at bed at night while she's reading her novels and I'm trying to sleep. And um, I bought it and had it sent to Victoria so it wouldn't come to the house and she wouldn't see it. I'm very proud of myself. But Amazon decides to send an email after I deleted the initial email that I'd confirmed it with, would you like to buy another one? And she's like, what do you mean another one? She says, obviously you bought yourself a red LED light because I didn't want one. And I thought, oh, well, <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, I did. Uh, so I have nothing for my wife, and as I get onto the ferry today, I'm hoping that that shop, you know, with the uh, jackets and the whales and all of that stuff, I'm going to buy the whole shop with my Christmas bonus. And um, so that's my hope, but I, I thought I would write uh, or preach a sermon where I can actually uh, perhaps help you in the sense that how can you have a, a good Christmas tomorrow uh, regardless of what you may or may not open. So that's my, my Christmas blessing to you. How can you be happy tomorrow? And I think the text will eventually get us there. Uh, however, before that, a little bit of a negative start, let's say. And that is, uh, I think we should be fully aware, at least those of you who have been here for many years will not be surprised by this, that Christmas has become, at least it has been for many decades, I think, uh, overly sanitized in its general message. It is a message that has been sanitized to the point that the world, at, at, in very many places and cultures, uh, generally embraces Christmas is happy with Christmas, likes the holiday, and uh, you will find that even uh, atheistic scientists like Richard Dawkins can say that he enjoys singing the carols around Christmas time. And uh, many other people who know nothing of true saving faith in Jesus Christ will enjoy the carols on the uh, radio that they can sing along to that do speak of some deep realities of the Christian faith at times. And so we have to ask ourselves, why is Christmas so palatable to non-Christians? And in large part, that's because the message has been sanitized a little bit. 
There is a passage, uh, for those of you who uh, have the King James Version with you, in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, which we're considering today, uh, reads, Glory to God in the highest, which is no problem there. But then after that, we read, And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now that is a message that I think anyone in the world, if you abstract it from any context, can generally embrace. Yes, peace is good, goodwill toward men, and so on and so forth. And so this sort of verse became extracted in a sense, and we have this idea that Christmas is a time of, of peace and good tidings and joy and, and wanting the best for one another. However, however, uh, the Christmas story, shall we say, what we find in the early chapters of Matthew or Luke, doesn't really leave us with quite the same taste as we might find in popular culture. Uh, we saw that last week in the case of the Magi. That is a stinging rebuke, the Magi coming to see Jesus to the Jewish people at the time. You read that in its context for a century. These Magi, these pagans, these Gentiles coming to worship Israel's king, and yet Israel is nowhere to be found. What is going on? God is doing something marvelous, but he's also showing us what can be expected in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And that is, there would be many, many Jewish people who would reject him. Now, if you read on in Luke's gospel, for example, you will see that uh, Simeon blessed them in verse 35 of chapter 2, 34 and 35, and said to Mary his mother, this is the Christmas message, remember. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. It's a message that divides. It's a message that distinguishes. It's a message that isn't simply goodwill toward men in the abstract. It is a message that says many, because of Jesus Christ, will fall and they will rise. And for a sign that is opposed. In other words, he is a sign. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's God's great sign. We see this in Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9. But the point is, the sign that God gives is a sign that will be opposed, rejected, scorned, and ridiculed. And Mary is told a sword will pierce through her own soul also because she will see that this one who brings goodwill to men is also the one who will be crucified before her very eyes. And so the thoughts of many will be revealed at the coming of this Savior. It is a message that divides. Now, how do we see that? Well, notice in verse 13, the shepherds are there and uh, you, have to, you have to say the, the shepherds probably enjoyed what may have been the greatest public choir the earth has ever seen with all due respect to what was going on uh, perhaps yesterday here. I did catch a little bit. Uh, someone took a snapshot of our friend Kurt uh, singing marvelously uh, uh, in the Handel's Messiah, which also actually quotes Luke 2.14, if I'm not mistaken. Not being an expert on it myself, I, I do think it is in there. And uh, 
Kurt was singing so marvelously, I imagine uh, he'll be having a very Merry Christmas in the next few days. But um, as we see this choir, this choir of angels, notice what we read. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, how many we do not know, but a multitude of the heavenly host of angels praising God. When God does something great, angels praise Him. There's that marvelous, marvelous passage in Job where God is confronting Job at the end of Job. And it's one of the great discourses found anywhere in God's Word. And God says to Job, where were you, Job? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Did you, Job? Surely you know. Or what were its base is sunk, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, that is the angels, shouted for joy. God created the heavens and the earth and the angels shouted for joy. Were you there, Job? Did you do that, Job? No. The point is God does something great and angels sing. God has done something greater than creating a thousand worlds in the incarnation of the Son of God. And so it's only appropriate that the angel should sing and praise Him. And what is it that they praise Him for? Well, you will know that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But the chief end of angels is actually not different. The chief end of angels is exactly the same as your chief end, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that is precisely what they do. And that is precisely the main point of Luke's opening chapters. Glory is given to God. In Luke chapter 2, verse 9, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and what? And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. God's glory. You can go back to chapter 1, verse 46 and 47. And Mary, in her great song, opens up and says what? My soul magnifies the Lord. She glorifies God at the very beginning. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Then you get to... Zechariah and his father Zechariah, verses 67 and 68 in Luke chapter 1, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Christ teaches his disciples to pray. And what is the first petition? Hallowed be your name. The angels, the redeemed, and then our Lord Jesus Christ in His high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 begins, Father, the hour has come as He lifts His eyes towards heaven. And what does He say? Glorify Your Son that Your Son may glorify You. What is Christmas about? It is about the glory of God. Before it's about anything else, it's about God's glory. But notice, glory to God in the highest, that is in the highest of the heavenly places. But then, 
we read, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Do you know what one of the dangers of Christmas is? I'm sure there's many dangers. People driving like maniacs. Stress from people spending too much money. People overeating. People over drinking. Families starting out well, not finishing so well in their time together. And I could go on. You could go on. But you know what the real danger of Christmas is? The real danger of Christmas is people celebrating something they have no business celebrating and thinking that all is well when all is not well. And this verse teaches us that we have no business No business whatsoever sanitizing Christmas to the point that everyone and anyone can just think, oh well, what a merry Christmas it is. Now, why do I say that? Well, we are told here that on earth there is peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is not a general peace. This is not a sort of Jesus has come and now there is peace. This is telling us that because Jesus has come, there will be peace to a certain group of people. And who are those people? They are those with whom God is pleased. And God is not pleased with everyone. Who is God most pleased with? Well, we're told in Matthew, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God doesn't say that of everybody. He says it of His Son. The ground of God's pleasure is Himself, and so it is fitting that He would be well pleased with Himself. And since Jesus is eternal God, of eternal God, very God of very God, and since He is the visible image of the invisible God, since He is full of grace and truth, God is well pleased with with him. But the glory of the gospel is when you believe in Jesus Christ and when you are united to Jesus Christ and when you belong to Jesus Christ and when Christ is in you the hope of glory, God is also pleased with you. Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. And this is a special type of delight. God has a general love for all people. Otherwise, He wouldn't give the sun and the rain and the moon and the stars and the oceans and all of the beauty that we see around us. He wouldn't give those things to everyone, but He does. And many non-Christians eat well and they drink well and they have fun and they receive many gifts from God because God is good and God's love is for everyone. But there is a love of complacency, a special type of love that God has whereby He delights in His people in a way that He does not delight in those who are not His people. And this is the general message of the Scripture. You, Israel, only have I known, that is, only have I loved of all the nations in the world. God has a special love. And we are told that there is peace among those with whom God is pleased. And they enjoy this peace because they belong to the Prince of Peace. That's the Christmas message. 
What is the Christmas message? How many times have you said in the last few weeks to someone, Merry Christmas? What do you actually mean by that, by the way? What do you really mean by that? Or has it just become a a mere talking point like the weather? What does it really mean to have a Merry Christmas? How can you really be merry and joyful and happy this Christmas? How can anyone? See, Christmas gets caught in this sort of, there's a lot of good, but then a lot of bad creeps in. And and we have uh, little boys and little girls sitting on Santa's lap. And the question is not, do you know the Lord? Have you been a good boy this year? Have you been a good girl this year? Now, I've been good, but I don't know if my kids have. I found a most delightful desk that I've been looking for for years. And then my son, Josh, it's unbelievable. His uh, soccer team, not Christians, just general people of society, they decided this year we were going to have a, a wine draw. So everyone had to bring a bottle of wine for the like 16 players. And you put it into a big, uh, you know, sort of wine draw. And uh, each day they would have a video of whose names got pulled out. If your name got pulled out, you lost. Uh, so you're out. So you never wanted to see your name, and they would show these videos on the WhatsApp group. It was quite riveting, actually. Uh, for those of you whose life is slow and boring, this is uh, something I highly suggest. And I won. I couldn't believe it. I won. And I'm actually a lot smarter than some of you give me credit for because before the competition started, I actually said there are not allowed to be any bottles under $20. And I don't want someone buying a $17 bottle but claiming there was $4 off. So we got this big thing of wine. And I naturally thought that I'd been good this year and that's why I've won this. And you see, that thinking isn't actually all that different from a lot of thinking that goes on in the world, that really that is what Christmas is about. Have you been a good boy? Have you been a good girl? Merry Christmas. And so epithets and phrases are, are ushered out before people without really thinking about what are we actually saying. And what we're told in the Scriptures is not Merry Christmas to all, but rather that God's delight, God's pleasure, God's favor rests upon those with whom He is pleased and those with whom He is pleased belong to Jesus Christ. And if you are not in Christ, what this verse actually teaches us is that you do not have any peace. If you are not in Christ, you are not the one praising God with the sons of God and with the heavenly anthem of angels praising incessantly day after day, glory to God in the highest. You are not one with whom God is pleased. You see, the glory of the gospel is that tomorrow you can wake up and and your spouse or uh, your dad can give you a present and you open it up and you can have the biggest smile on your face and they can say, oh, I see you like it. And you say, no, it's hideous. But you know what? God is pleased with me. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Because the fact of the matter is, what are presents? What are nice Christmas meals? If you can't go to bed at night and know that God is pleased with you, 
And you can't wake up tomorrow morning knowing that the God of heaven and earth is pleased with you. And he is pleased with you because God did not keep his son in the manger. That's where the world wants to keep him. We love the manger. We love the incarnation. The son of God, the eternal son of God, takes on a human nature of body and soul and becomes like us in every way except sin. We love that. But we don't keep Christ in the manger. The world will keep Christ in the manger because the world can handle a baby in the manger. They can handle a baby in the manger. They cannot handle a baby who grows up and lives such a life of peace and goodwill that he is hated and ridiculed and ultimately crucified. They cannot handle a crucified Savior because they also cannot handle a resurrected Savior. And they cannot handle a resurrected Savior because they cannot handle an ascended and enthroned Savior who is going to come back and judge the living and the dead. They will keep the baby in the manger because the baby in the manger is safe to them. But we preach Christ crucified. And we glory in the fact that yes, he was a baby in the manger, but now he is a king upon a throne. And if you are not a Christian, there is no Merry Christmas to you. I'm sorry. If you don't love Christ, there is no tidings of joy and peace. You need to repent And you need to receive Jesus Christ into your heart. And you need to own Him as one who can truly give you joy. So that you could wake up tomorrow and the tree could be empty. And you could be dancing for joy because your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life forever and ever. Where you will receive joy unspeakable, gift upon gift from the Father of heavenly lights who takes pleasure in his people. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your word. And we are praying for a Merry Christmas for everyone here. Because we are praying that everyone here will find themselves in Christ this Christmas and not in themselves. They will find themselves in the Spirit, rejoicing and praising God. And they will find themselves as ones who have true hope in a world where there is so little peace except the peace that comes from God. Oh Lord, bless us to that end, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.